John chapter 12, verses 12 through 19. John 12, 12 through 19. The next day, the great crowd that had come to the festival heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem. So they took branches of palm trees and went out to meet him, shouting, Hosanna, blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord, the King of Israel. Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it, as it is written, Do not be afraid, daughter of Zion. Look, your king is coming, riding on a donkey's colt. His disciples did not understand these things at first, but when Jesus was glorified, then they remembered that these things had been written of him and had been done to him. So the crowd that had been with him when he called Lazarus out of the tomb and raised him from the dead continued to testify. It was also because they heard he had performed this sign that the crowd went to meet him. The Pharisees then said to one another, You see, you can do nothing. Look, the world has gone after him. Let us pray. Hosanna in the highest. We join with the children today and the crowds long ago as we remember the triumphal entry of Jesus into Jerusalem. Lord, be with us and speak to our hearts as we seek to understand what you would say to us today. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Those of you who are uh, old enough to drive, when you are stopped at a stoplight, do you tend to look at the license plates and perhaps the bumper stickers of the cars stopped in front of you? Does anyone do that like me? Since the age of 16, most of the license plates that I have gazed, looked upon, while stopped at a stoplight behind somebody have been North Carolina license plates, and one of the signature phrases for decades that have been on North Carolina license plates is the phrase, first in flight. For eight months now, I've also had the privilege of looking at license plates from the state of Ohio. And one of the phrases on the license plates from the state of Ohio says, birthplace of aviation. We have a dispute here. We have a historical argument, but in fact, it seems to me not to enter into argument with anybody who feels passionate about this, because I don't, but it seems to be, to me, that both just might be right. For what indeed did happen is that over their lifetime in Ohio, the Wright brothers worked on, formulated, tinkered with, developed the concepts, put together all of the things that they needed to get the first airplane in flight. However, when it came time to test fly, to test it out, they traveled to Kitty Hawk, North Carolina, the coast, the dunes, the wind, and there they had their first flight. So perhaps there's truth in both claims on the state license plates. What I find interesting is a wonderful story that is told of that event which speaks to the truth that though we may argue about who was first in flight a hundred years later, at the time, no one except the Wright brothers and a few others knew the incredible significance 
of what they had accomplished. No one understood the tremendous change in transportation and in society that this wonderful duo had brought about. So the story is told that when they had the first successful flight at Kitty Hawk, the Wright brothers sent a telegram home to their sister in Dayton, Ohio, with these words. First sustained flight today in 59 seconds. That was the first sentence. Second sentence, hope to be home for Christmas. Now, what their sister did with that telegram, she knew the significance of what her brothers had accomplished. So she got that telegram and she took it straight to the newspaper in Dayton, Ohio, whatever the newspaper is in Dayton. Anybody from Dayton around here? Uh, So anyway, she takes it to the newspaper and she gets up early the next morning because she wants to be the first to purchase a paper because she wants to see the headline on the front page saying that her brothers had had the first sustained flight in human history. She looks at the front page, nothing. She looks through all of the main pages, nothing. And finally she gets to the hometown section and the headline says, Wright Brothers will be home for Christmas. (laughs) True, but they missed the big story. They missed the truly significant thing that had happened. Because the editors of the paper weren't looking for it. They were looking for something else. And so the crowds who lined the streets as Jesus rode into Jerusalem, waving the palm branches, shouting Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, son of David, the king of Israel, John's gospel tells us. They were looking for something different than what Jesus was about to give them. Many of them had heard, many of them had been witnesses, had seen how Jesus had raised Lazarus from the dead. Many had heard of that sign, John tells us. And so they're coming quite naturally, expecting to see another miracle. That's what they're looking for. Let's see Jesus do something amazing just like he did when he raised Lazarus from the dead. And then many, many others, many, many more in the crowd were looking for Jesus to do something far more than a healing miracle. They were looking for, they were taking literally in a political way their phrase, here comes the king of Israel. They were wanting him to rid Israel of the occupying Roman powers to restore Israel to its former glory among the nations in a political, powerful kind of way. They were expecting Jesus to be a political Messiah, a military conqueror. They were looking for the wrong things. One could say they were hungry for the wrong things. They were hungry for a miracle, hungry for a political savior, hungry for someone to give them what they wanted as a nation. And Jesus was doing none of these things. They missed the real story. Jesus doesn't smile and wave to the crowd like a politician on the campaign trail. 
He doesn't raise his finger and say, we're number one like a championship athletic team. He doesn't ride into town with a great entourage. He sits on a donkey, humbly, slowly entering Jerusalem. It was a triumphal entry, but not because of the palm branches and the hosannas. It was a triumphal entry because Jesus rides on to die. For you, for me, for all the world. It is so good to celebrate Palm Sunday every year. So good to see the children walk in waving the palm branches, crossing our fingers, praying they won't hit anybody in the face as they wave them and cut them. It is so good to be reminded of that amazing event long ago and the energy and the excitement of it. And it's also very important to reenact, to relive Palm Sunday each year so that we can make sure that we resist the temptation to be like the crowds and to be hungry for Jesus to do something for us that perhaps He's not wanting to do. To remind ourselves to be open to the will of Jesus among us And to let go of our own desires to control what He might do in and through us. We try to fit Jesus into our lives instead of fitting our lives into His life. We tend to focus on what Jesus can do for us to the neglect of what Jesus calls us to do for God and for others. And it's so tempting to think that Jesus is simply that extra ingredient that makes our lives better and even gives us eternal life instead of seeing Jesus as the one who gives us meaning, the one without whom we lose our purpose, the one who shapes every aspect of our lives. I want to skip ahead just a little bit into the next passage that we didn't read. After all the hoopla dies down, after everything settles, uh, some Greeks come to see Jesus. And in verse 21 of chapter 12, they say to Philip, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. We wish to see Jesus. I want to invite us to make that our prayer for this holy week. Not in the way that the crowds were seeing Jesus hungry for something that he was not about to give and to resist the same temptations that we have to fit Jesus into our conceptions, our world, our lives instead of fitting our lives into his. And to simply ask the question, we wish to see Jesus. Because when we ask that question, we wish to see Jesus, especially during Holy Week, where we're going to see him is on the cross. We see Him on the cross taking upon Himself your sin and mine, taking upon Himself the power of sin that is at work in the world, taking into Himself our brokenness, the suffering and brokenness of the world, and defeating the power of death, defeating the power of sin, healing our brokenness 
forgiving, redeeming, blessing us with His grace. When we wish to see Jesus, we begin by seeing Him this Holy Week on the cross. To see Jesus, we look to the cross, and the cross points us back to ourselves as we see our own sins. We see Jesus on the cross suffering and dying for the world, suffering and dying for the pain, the evil, suffering and dying for us. And so seeing our sins in light of Jesus suffering on our behalf, and in light of the grace and the love His suffering reveals, we then become hungry to confess our sins in response to God's amazing grace. Kind of a strange phrase, hungry to confess our sins. I don't know that I've ever been really fired up and excited about doing that. And yet that's what the love and the pain and the agony that we see Jesus on the cross, that's what we see evoking in us. A hunger to confess, not to earn anything from Jesus, but a hunger to confess how far we fall short of His glory because we are amazed by His incredible love. An Italian revolutionary, long ago, was hunted by the police and he sought refuge, he sought to hide in a little remote village at the foothills of the Italian Alps. And in order to go into this place where no one knew him and to effectively hide, he disguised himself as a priest. And he figured that if he went into the town as a priest, Everybody would respect him and kind of get out of his way. But the exact opposite thing happened. The people hear that a minister is in town. And they flock to this fake minister. And they share with him their brokenness. And they confess their sins to him. And at first he tries to push them away. But they won't give up. They keep coming and coming and coming. And finally he gives in and he just listens as people confess their hurts, their pains, their sins, their brokenness. Why do they do this? Because they have a hunger to do so. And the presence of the priest, the presence of the pastor evokes that from them. And it is my prayer for us this week that if we truly wish to see Jesus, and if we truly gaze upon Him at the cross, it will evoke in us that hunger to bring all of ourselves to Him. Our woundedness, our brokenness, our sinfulness. Seeing Jesus on the cross prevents us from ignoring our sins and treating them lightly and instead moves us to confess our sins so that God can deal with them in grace. Having faced our sins in the context of grace, we receive the courage to restore relationships with people hurt by our sin. And we come to the place where God can change us into people for whom sin has less appeal.
Confession of sin wraps us in the arms of grace and brings us to the place of transformation where God shapes and molds us into the image of Christ. Confessing our sins is a necessary act of preparation. We prepare ourselves to embrace the stirring movement of Christ in our lives as we confess. We confess our sins to remove any resistance we might have to what Jesus desires to do in and through us. Through confession, we embrace the transforming power of the Holy Spirit. Sisters and brothers, as this Holy Week begins, let us hunger to see Jesus and to see Him on the cross. And as we see Him on the cross, may we confess our sins in response to His amazing, world-changing, life-transforming, grace. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and all of God's people said, let us pray. We wish to see Jesus, Lord, not as the political Savior that the crowds saw Him. Not in order to see Him do something amazing like the crowds, even though we'd love to see that. But we truly wish to see Jesus for who He is. And so we know that to see Jesus, we begin by looking at the cross where He died for us for us and our salvation, and for the world. And as we look to the cross this week, O God, may we see Jesus healing the brokenness of our broken world, and by Your Holy Spirit become vessels of Your healing for others. As we see Jesus on the cross, may we see Him restoring broken relationships. By His grace, may we become vessels for Your peace. And as we see Jesus on the cross, May we in turn see our sins in light of His grace and Your love. And therefore confess our sins not out of compulsion, but out of a sense of wonder and awe that You love us, redeem us, forgive us, and restore us. We give You thanks, O God. It is in Christ's name that we pray. Amen.